ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Imagine that you've gone for your usual morning jog and you literally bump into another runner who, at first glance, is nothing like you. Would you apologise and go on your way? Would you stop and have a quick chat? Or would you invite them to run with you and become their friend? Hi, I'm Takumbudzi, and this is The Other Me Season of Earshot, with stories by people inviting us to peek into the hidden corners of their worlds. With a shopping trolley full of trash and treasure between them, meet runners Kim Hun and Martin Steer. Together, they seek adventure, understanding and companionship on the chilly streets of Australia's capital city. Here's Kim in Canberra. Martin's got a knack for pissing me off, even though I'm trying to give him his 15 minutes of fame. You shouldn't record every word I say. Why not? It's really well, it's, good. It's blackmail material. It's not blackmail material. <laughs> he, we're, said, we're he, be, he said this. We're Molly, going Molly, on national listen. radio. No, we're not. For all his grumpiness, Martin's excellent company. He's well-read and super smart, like, you know, vegetarian smart. Officially, I'm a vegan. Martin has a classics degree and another one in linguistics. And he's got lots of stories to tell. Stories from watching people and the world go by. Martin's always on the lookout. He's got to be, because he's a rough sleeper. But he's not one for labels. I don't really sleep rough. The rough sleepers are the people around Civic who are parked in a doorway with their cheek against the pavement in the dirt. Well, you, you, I wouldn't say you sleep easy either. It's not uncomfortable. If you, you make up your bed properly, I rejoice when I, at that bit of cardboard I slept on last night, I was just coming home and I saw it somewhere in a skip, hauled it out. And you rejoiced? <laughs> you serious? I rejoiced, yeah. A better piece of cardboard and bigger and about the right size for that spot there. Over the past six months, Martin and I have been on epic adventures together. We've talked about everything and nothing, shared our hopes, fears and dreams, and we've had a lot of laughs. <laughs> tough, tough life. <laughs> so tough. <laughs> yeah, they're all crackers. I only, do, I only do crackers. I suppose you could call me and Martin mates. I met Martin in the heart of Canberra, here at the Early Morning Centre, the EMC. It's a place where folks can get a feed, make some friends and access services. Hey, would you like a cuppa? What would you like in it? Would you like... For about six years, I've been running a lunchtime discussion group here at the EMC. We talk about culture, religion, sport, whatever's in the local rag or on our minds. Yeah. It was almost like, like a lot of people said they weren't sure if they Come on and there was a movie on. Yeah. Yes, I see, I see. Even Barrett would agree. But there's two things I never ask about. The weather and how they ended up sleeping rough. I figure these things could be painful to discuss and will remind us of how different our lives are once we step out of this space. Somehow, you know, that street or whatever you want to call it, if it's extreme enough and isolated enough, you, you begin to adapt to that lifestyle. So. I first noticed Martin a couple of years ago, a distinguished looking fellow in his mid-sixties, round glasses, well-trimmed beard, and his silver and auburn hair in a ponytail. 
He'd usually sit in the corner by himself, reading a book or scribbling away at something, content in his private world. When I first sat down next to him and asked what he was writing, Martin said, Mind your own business. And that, I thought, was the end of it. Then we literally ran into each other along Northbourne Avenue. That's the road that goes through the centre of Canberra. I was going for a morning jog. Martin was pushing his shopping trolley, which holds everything he owns in the world. It turns out that Martin's a runner like me. Why'd you start running? What does it do for you? It means I'm not sitting down through the whole bloody day waiting for the next meal at the Griffin Centre. I've got to do something. Do you look forward to it? Yes, I do. I'll let you know what running does for me. Running's my therapy, it's my drug, a way to be by myself and connect with nature. Any of that resonate with you? Yeah, all of it. To my surprise, Martin suggested that we meet at the EMC and run together. Sure, I said, thinking it probably wouldn't happen. But it did. So we're starting. Where are we going to head? We're going to head for Old Canberra House. Then we drop down. Through the city to the ANU to Old Canberra House by the lake. Yep. We finished where we started. As we jog along, Martin points out some of the places he slept. It gives me a whole new perspective on my hometown. It's just a horror. A shared urinal sort of space. So you've tried having a snooze here? Yeah. But you didn't like it? Oh, not as a not as a permanent place to be. We head towards the National Museum. I reckon you could sleep pretty nicely inside there. Inside the sculptures? There's enough room to curl around or whatever. It's a beautiful spot. The dew is what does you in though. The in dew? The, in the morning. In the yeah. morning you yeah. wake yeah. up. Everything's wet. wet. <laughs> At a tough halfway point in our 12 kilometre run, Martin tells me about his encounters with nature. City Hill now. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. We're not going over it though, it's full of rabbit holes and dead rabbits. They're everywhere. I've slept up there too. You've slept up there too? Yes, before, before the rabbits. Martin always runs the same loop around the city. Much of his running, he tells me, is driven by nostalgia. He started running as a kid in Papua New Guinea and he returned there as an adult to do postgraduate research. I was in the linguistics department, which is why I was in the Gulf of Papua, documenting their undocumented language. That was fabulous. It's a place of 100% humidity. The swamp's deadly. You put your foot down and the mud just keeps going down and down and holds your feet, takes your shoes. Me and Martin run past places where he slept, past buildings where he worked, and past houses and apartments where he lived. This is how we became running buddies. Perhaps we look a bit odd to passers-by. Me, a middle-aged, middle-class, Vietnamese Canberran, and Martin, who lives out of a shopping trolley. This doesn't bother him. I don't really care much. And you know, I don't care much either. 
Me and Martin don't question why we're mates. We just are. Although being a Vietnamese refugee, I reckon I can relate to Martin because he's lost everything, but keeps going. And I admire how he doesn't need or want sympathy, money, status or stuff. What's a good day for you then? You've got this routine going. A good day, it's running, getting something to eat, going back to bed again and doing it again. <laughs> As I get to know him better, I start to wonder who the other Martin is. The other Martin who conversed in Latin and ancient Greek. The other Martin who had a car he used to get around in rather than to live in. The other Martin who slept in a bed with someone who cherished him. We squeeze in a few more runs before the Canberra winter hits. Oh, golly, I forgot all about this weather this year. Yeah, it's so damn cold. It's then I start to really worry about my mate, Martin. I think about him at night when I turn on the heater before having dinner with my family. And in the morning, when I open my blinds and see the grass covered with frost. I start to wonder if Martin needs my help. But first, I need to know more about him. So I ask if he'll show me a day in his life. Again, to my surprise, Martin agrees. So I turn up one morning as he's packing his trolley and I ask a pretty stupid question. Why have you got so much stuff again? Why? Because I came out of a house or a flat. There yeah. must be like 15 bags here though, you know? No, uh, there's not 15. And you've organised it incredibly well. They fit into this trolley. You know, see, they're not fitting yet. That doesn't need to be there at all. It occurs to me that even though we're in the street, we're also in Martin's bedroom and I'm basically rummaging through his wardrobe. I'm not sure if the cold's a good excuse, but I'm impatient with Martin as he's getting his day underway. My bum's getting cold, so should we move back and sit over there, or how are you going? You chose this. It's concrete. Um... Can I move a few of these things for you, with you? Come on. This is, I can take this one. Yeah. No, give, it, give me a go. No, Just tie it over here. Just tie it over here. It's heaps no. of room. It's heaps of room. Just there. No. So why, why do you, you pack up every morning? Why, why do you go through this routine? It looks like it takes you an hour. It's so nobody knocks it off. And because like, I can't leave here and then wander around the town. I don't come back until the end of the day. This, I, I hate sitting around in there. And uh, I'm sure I'm not the authority on any of this though. No, it looks, it's incredibly well organized. Yes, it's that or lose it. It actually takes a couple of hours for Martin to pack his trolley. But for all my complaining, this is a chance for us to chat and for him to tell me how he makes do with so little. Yeah, look, there's my ri current riches. What have you got? Almost nothing. 65 cents. <laughs> what do you have for breakfast then? Well, if I happen to have a chewy bar or something, look, I don't even know. These appeared next to my bed. Oh, so someone's um, given you some beans. Yep, they have. I quite like baked beans. I like baked beans. Um, so people will just drop stuff off sometimes, will they? 
Yes, I suppose they appeared. People offer money as well. Somebody gave me $10 the other day. I think they understand that you can have a hard time sometimes. So Martin's grateful for what he gets from others, but the same can't be said about his lot in life. Are you generally satisfied with your lot in life? That's not even a real question. Like, Satis satisfied with, who, who the hell is satisfied with their lot? No oh. one. This is my lot, I'll cop this. Yeah. Your, like, your lot isn't fixed anyway. I'm satisfied with my lot. And somebody comes along and says, look, we need that flat that we've got a family there. Get back on the street. That's the closest Martin's ever come to complaining. Although now and then, he wishes things were different. I'm looking forward to just walking into Woolies and buying food and shoving it down. <laughs> My problem is um, really that now that I'm in this, I don't know how I get out of this now. I wish I knew how I managed to do this to myself. But... I wish I got to know you in the summer or late spring, <laughs> early autumn. <laughs> During the day, Martin leaves his trolley in Canberra's busiest shopping centre. His thinking is that people are less likely to steal his stuff if there's constant traffic passing by. When it's parked, the trolley has to look messy enough for everyone to think that there's nothing worth pinching. But at the same time, it can't be such an eyesore that it attracts complaints. So the trolley, just like Martin, has to be visible and invisible at the same time. Seriously, you're going to push this a kilometre and a half into the city and leave it there? It's just down the road and along. All right, all right, let's do it. Fully loaded, Martin's trolley weighs more than he does. It's hard to believe he can get it moving at all. Well, I'm pushing this, am I? No, no. It'll break your leg or your arm. No, nah. all right, right. I'm okay. You sure? Yeah. Ah. Yeah, you've got to get some momentum. You ever catch the tram? Not with a trolley, they're illegal. If they slammed on the brakes and the trolley took off, you'd kill somebody. But it takes more than muscles for Martin to move his trolley. You know, I noticed just walking with you that... We'll go around this Going around the other way. You have to think a lot. So you're always thinking, which path can I take? Little constant calculations that you have to make all the time. OK, we'll go straight across, maybe. No, let's go this way. This is better. It's a quiet time of day. It gets away because it's got too much weight. And that'll do it. Yes, and we haven't been robbed yet. In fact, Martin confronts lots of challenges and threats, especially at night. I was in my sleeping bag on the ground. They were going round and round on scooters and they started hoiking these things at me. Milk uh, crates. Middle of the night in, uh, and they were hoiking the milk crates at you? Yeah. Anyway, they took off when the security guy came along, but they were just going to come back the next night and the next night and the next night. Passers-by also throw drinks at Martin while he sleeps and push him around. Other rough sleepers I know, all much younger than Martin, have been harassed and beaten by strangers. I ask him how he copes with the stress of life on the streets. His answer, again, surprises me. Martin writes poetry. 
I think the muse who once inspired me has now run out of poetry and left me with just I, out of which I cannot see or hear a rhyme, as if my muse once was, has gone the hell right out of here to lie in sun on La Plage with plan to make of sand a sunny, well-tanned Romeo and leave me here alone with my cup of Milo in my aged, inartistic hand. In fact, Martin composes poems pretty much every day. You like me, and I love you, so why not let the damn thing grow and shade our path forever? He writes them on brown paper bags and on the back of shopping dockets. So Martin transforms garbage into art. I suggest it's an ingenious critique of consumer society. I like brown paper. Oh, it's nice to write on and it's pretty stout, isn't it? I also like white paper and I, I like to get it for nothing. Some of his poems are fun and whimsical. Others are dark and brooding. You there at sea and swell and me here, no navigator, retching at the thought of cold and salted water, deep and hard enough to push aside a continent, beat it down to grain of sand and time the only arbiter. Martin's got no idea how many poems he's written. A few hundred, perhaps? Some are in his locker at the early morning centre. Most are in his trolley. So the shopping trolley that Martin leaves out for much of the day is a treasure chest of verse. There's got to be poetic gold in there. <laughs> poetic dross. It's also something of an archive, because just as Martin's analysed communities in the Gulf of Papua, He's been observing the folk of the nation's capital and recording his thoughts on bits of litter. There's, there's, there's lots of thickheads here. <laughs> and there's, there's also a lot of um, heartless bureaucrats. No, there's some part of Canberra that's a Boona town. Is a Boona sort of a roughnut, a roughnut working class person? Yeah. He's got this elegant yet playful handwriting. And you've written that with almost no, no editing? Well, they come into my head. If I don't write them down, they disappear again. I've lost more than I've kept. I wonder how many of his poems have been scrunched up, stepped on and swept away. But there's one more thing you have to know about Martin, the highly educated poet and runner who sleeps rough in Canberra. His memory's fading. I didn't notice earlier because he's so bright. And if Martin was a bit absent or confused, I figured he'd had a rough night. Many rough nights. But listening back to our recordings, there were signs of his cognitive issues. I think I said to you anyway, didn't I? Was it you? But um, I always sleep under this sign. Because <laughs> if I wake up in, in the night, I, oh, where, oh. You know where you are? Yeah. I ran it yesterday and maybe the day before. Whatever's going on with Martin's memory, it's getting worse, which sucks. It sucks because he's got a lot more poems in him that may never get out. It sucks because I'd like to think we've got a few more adventures to have together. And it sucks because life's going to get even harder for him. Of course, Martin thinks otherwise. I don't, I don't, I don't forget what I want to do. I, I'm capable of making a plan and following it, and I'm not sick. I'm relieved when Martin tells me that Services Australia and St Vincent de Paul have been trying to house him. 
Because he's an older fellow and he's been recognised as a chronic rough sleeper, Martin's caseworkers consider him a priority. But it isn't easy to find him a place. They have um, a sort of giant boarding house for men. And that's, that's what I was offered. Yeah. But I, uh, I was sent to boarding school. I don't want to. <laughs> but I, I don't want to live with blokes in a, in a bloke house somewhere. The guy next door snoring away and all that. I don't want to do that. And it's not going to lead anywhere except old age, you know, next to some old bloke snoring, snoring away. But there's another logic, which is it's cold and it's not safe. This is safe. The only places you can sleep are the places where you feel secure. And this works so far, except for the unpacking and packing. One big problem that Martin and his caseworkers face is his ID or his lack of it. Well, I'm at the moment I'm kind of stuck because my, um, I don't have any documents. There are, there's a social security person in and they're patching together my various IDs and things, I think. Martin has no birth certificate, no record of his citizenship. He isn't on the electoral roll, doesn't have a bank card, driver's licence, bills or a passport. Officially, the other Martin has disappeared. And it's a huge task for his caseworkers to find him. So here's the thing. When they do finally identify Martin and find him a flat of his own, he's not sure he can stay there. Martin says he wants to use the flat to park his trolley and keep sleeping out on the street. I just put my stuff in there so I don't have to... You don't have to around with a trolley and go back and sleep. You're going to carry your sleeping bag each night and sleep out in the cold. I mean, you, you, no, no, you're it, not cold, are you? It, no, and it's company. Sitting in a flat by yourself is no fun. I've done that before. But it'll be warm and you can, might have a TV and you're safe. You're safe. You're safe. People have thrown milkshakes <laughs> and, <laughs> and milk crates at you. You know what I mean? That's yeah, not going to happen in that but, flat. But not recently. So Martin's not sure he can live within walls, at least by himself. I ask him why, and he responds with a story. I meant to tell you and didn't. Um, this man came along last night, and he had a black eye, and he, he was almost crying. He's a big man, but sort of innocent. I asked just how, how he was, and he said, um, I went to the brothel, and... Um, they threw me out, and he was kind of completely destroyed by it. Maybe he was inappropriate, or maybe the, he was too much like a lover instead of a client or something, you know. What did you Oh, I just, you know, kind of patted him on the back and said, you know, brothels are commercial places, you know, it's not about you. Um, seemed very sad to me. And he was... Sort of young inside his older body. He's, he's a lonelier man now than he was before. For all its challenges, living on the street is also a way for Martin to connect with other folks, like that guy, and to help them. Should Do I... we leave this in the trolley for now? Or... Well, brown paper's useful to me. I can write on brown paper. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. We're leaving it here, Martin. 
The day comes for Martin to pack his trolley for what's hopefully the last time. What about the cardboard? Look, just leave it. Someone will nick it. You don't need it, you're not sleeping on the ground. Might be. I reckon we transfer everything Martin owns into his case manager Molly's car in less than 10 minutes. By lunchtime, he's signed a lease and he has a place of his own. On the way there, Martin's thankful for everything that's been done for him. But I get the sense he's also overwhelmed by everything that's been done to him. How are you feeling, Martin? I feel okay. You all right? Yeah. Now really, how do you feel, Martin? About what? About you're gonna move into a place. I think it might be better than um, the concrete. With me and Molly right behind him, Martin puts his key into the door of his flat and enters. You're in. It's brilliant. This is, a, this is a really nice room. Isn't I it? told you you'd like it. <laughs> is it like you thought it would be or? No, it's better. Yeah, what do you like about it? The windows and the sunlight and beautiful house. Yeah, both sides. You can see the mountain from the back. Yep, you can too. Nowadays, Martin walks every day, but he's pretty much given up running. I suppose there's less need. So what do we do now? Well, when I head over to Martin's place, we read poems. His poems. He's got poems about books and stories that he's into, like Pinocchio. I think there's something badly wrong with Giuseppe's brand new boy. I yell and cry and suck my thumb and pee on mum's clean sheets and towels and don't atone for any sin to our Lord on high. What was the inspiration for that poem, may I ask? Do you I remember? Don't, I don't know. There's no inspiration. They drop in. God sends them. They drop them. in. I think it's just about pushing it along till it looks like a poem. <laughs> like many poetry fans, we explore matters of the heart I like this place and I like you and all the things we used to do together when we were two and inseparable until you, with one clean slice of the knife, cut us into pieces and me with half of life and beating lonely heart. I'm reminded of Plato and the idea that we're all single entities that were split in half and we're searching for that lost love. Yes. There's one poem that Martin can recite without notes. It's about a young girl whose death he witnessed in a playground accident. It might make me cry. Don't do that, don't do that. I saw a girl was killed like that. The dizzy whirling thrill till earth reared up and hit her head. His strength too small to hold her there in air in life. And mother screaming on the stairs for her sweet and lovely daughter, and we, just travellers, soon to leave our quarters. Martin's still composing poems, and he's still doing it on brown paper bags and shopping dockets. This is just a shitty piece of paper. Someone wrote something on this piece of paper, which someone read and found no narrative or tale, only white under black and quite concise. Bye. And I'm still worried that he's going to lose them. So I do what I can to preserve his work. Um, can I take a photo of that one, please? I don't think it'll photograph. Come on. 
Just get, let us give us a go. In all the time we've spent together, I've never asked Martin how he ended up sleeping rough. But through his poems and our conversations, I've got some idea of what happened. It seems he may have been evicted after stuffing up his rental payments. Martin vaguely recalls sleeping in the backyard of his house until he was forced to move on. That's when, some people say, he had a nervous breakdown. But I'm not sure about any of this. And especially if it's painful for Martin to talk about, I don't need to know. Do you? What I do know is that the more I try to figure out who Martin was, the less I appreciate what he does and who he is. In fact, I reckon we've grown close in part because we respect each other's space, speeds and differences. I wonder if Martin and all of us are like poems, which deserve time, care and understanding, while always remaining a bit of a mystery. So, Martin, we're here in the studio. We've knocked out your 15 minutes of fame. What do you reckon? It's just about enough. <laughs> you good. Another Martin was recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal and Gambri people with producer Kim Hun, sound engineer John Jacobs and supervising producer Claudia Taranto. In our next episode, we'll meet a woman who used the Freedom of Information Act to access her old foster care case file, only to discover a teenager that bore no resemblance to the person she knew she was. I'm Takumbudzi. This is Earshot. Catch you then. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.